You're listening to the Electronic Media Collective Podcast Network. Yeah, it's a mouthful. For more great shows like the one you're about to enjoy, visit electronicmediacollective.com. And now, our feature presentation. Hey there, campers. Before we dive straight into tonight's campfire tales of tawdry teens and hockey mask murderers, I just wanted to let you know that what you're about to hear has been butchered. Well, not butchered, but it has been trimmed way down to a slim, digestible 79 minutes or so. However, for the real diehards, for the truly hardcore, there is an extended cut of this episode in which Paul and I go through Friday the 13th, part 4, 5, and 6, Kill by Bloody Kill. If that sounds tedious, I think you'll enjoy what you're about to hear more. But if you want the full 2 hour and 20 minute on a bridged experience. Consider becoming a supporter on Patreon because that's where you can hear the extended cut. Patreon.com slash Grawlix Podcast. It's G-R-A-W-L-I-X Podcast. For as low as $1 a month, you can help support both Grawlix Cinematic Universe and the Grawlix Podcast and get access to a ton of bonus episodes that are only available to our supporters. Episodes like the extended cut of what you're about to hear. Do I feel sleazy promoting our Patreon at you right off the bat? Sure do. But it's only appropriate because the movies you're about to hear us discuss, pure sleaze. Drink it in. Welcome, listener. This is the second Friday the 13th special. That's right. We're back. I'm joined again by Paul. Hey, Paul, what's going on? Not much, not much. Ready to talk about some slashers. How's this December camp weather treating you? It's horrible on the joints. (laughs) Yeah, so at the beginning of this season, we had a Friday the 13th coming up. On the calendar, so we're like, hey, let's do a Friday the 13th special. We'll talk about uh, parts one, two, and three of the uh, Friday the 13th film franchise. Well, guess what? There's another Friday the 13th coming up at the end of this week. So, we're back again. Appropriately, we will be talking about the next three in the franchise. Parts four, five, and six. Hey, Paul, tell us about tell us about yourself. What, what, what do you do? I hear you also talk about horror movies sometimes on the internet. I do. I do talk about horror movies on the internet. I have a podcast of my own now since the last time we got together. <gasps> Moose's Monster Mash over at Electronic Media Collective. It's a monthly horror podcast where I sit down with uh, one or two of my friends, depending, and we talk about a movie or four a month, I'd say four, because November's episode, I sat down with you and we had to break it into two episodes. Oh, that's why that show sounds so familiar. Okay, that's right. Yes. Around the 25th, I should have my episode talking about the original Black Christmas. Awesome. Getting ready for that PG-13 remake. <laughs> yes and no. <laughs> 
Well, you know. Find out more on my episode. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we don't have to dive into it. Yeah, I was recently on, well, one of your episodes, but actually two of your episodes because we could talk about movies for a while, if you hadn't guessed. We can. (laughs) Yeah, and we talked about uh, the Night of the Living Dead and Dawn of the Dead original films and the remakes. It was a lot of fun. It was. All right, let's jump into Friday the 13th. I enjoyed the first three. I feel like there was a little bit of a diminishing returns, as you might expect, but I am a fan. I'm a fan of the series as a whole, but I think the first three are pretty good, and as we will find out as this episode goes on, even though I'm a fan of the series, I don't necessarily enjoy all these movies. <laughs> the first three were by far the series' strongest outing, especially from a storytelling point of view. You think? They did a really good job telling a story. Of you know, basically the birth of Jason. Uh, kind of, but there, I mean, that's the thing with the series because there's no, I, they, there is continuity, but there's not. There's not. If you think about going from part one to what we know as Friday the Thirteenth now, like right off the bat, they kind of jumped the shark. It's like, well, was Jason a little zombie boy in a lake, or was that a hallucination, or was he just? A hillbill, like what? If he shows up in part two, and it's like, well, what's Pamela mad about? He never died. He's right there. They play on the hallucinations a lot in this series. Oh God, do they? And as uh, say, and especially in these next three movies, they hit them hardcore. So this trilogy, you could say, the middle trilogy of films. This is the Tommy Jarvis trilogy. This is uh, when the movie obviously tried to go in a new direction and was shut shut right down. <laughs> promptly backpedaled real hard. So hard that the sixth one's called Jason Lives. Because Jason, to come back, come back, viewers, he's back. <laughs> Don't leave us now. All right, we're jumping a little ahead of ourselves. This is, listen, this conversation is going to be a little all over the place because it's a special. It's fine. But we will dive into each movie a bit with that in mind let's jump into friday the 13th the final chapter i love that we're not even halfway into the series the first of three movies we're covering this episode is the final chapter well interestingly enough the makeup artist on it uh, tom savini iconic you know he did the makeup work in the original film he agreed to do the makeup in this film under the condition that Jason would be killed off for good. So technically, I mean, it was supposed to be the end of Jason. So now he refers to Jason from five through whatever as he goes, that, that, that's not Jason. He, he died. He died in four. So, I, I mean, <laughs> the people who worked on these things can't even get the, no wonder this is going to be tied up in court for years. The people who worked on these can't even get the continuity straight. I mean, Technically, Jason died before the first film, right? (laughs) Right. It's like, so how do you kill somebody who's already dead? And then he died. He dies every movie, okay? Yes, Friday the 13th, the final chapter. This is the fourth in the franchise. And, oh, yes, that's right. I think I I swore off screenwriter credits on these movies. I say, because after the second one, they just, we started getting... uh, Tolkien quality. Uh, how is it movies? With, how is it this franchise full of movies with so so little plot, so little plot, 
is such a tangled mess when it comes to the screenplay credits. So, according to IMDb, <laughs> the writing credits for Friday the 13th, the final chapter, include Victor Miller, Ron Kurz, Martin uh, Kisrosser, I'm sorry, Kit Rosser, I'm saying that wrong, Carol Watson as character creators, Barney Cohen actually did the screenplay, Bruce Hedemi Sakao did the story, and then Sean S. Cunningham also gets an uncredited mention for characters. So, hmm, really. So depending on which part of the movie you don't like, take it up with them. <laughs> the director's always easier, though. Here we go. Directed by Joseph Zito. And I'm just going to mention one other movie in this guy's filmography uh, because it's a classic <laughs> in its own right. He, he directed Invasion USA. Corey Feldman. This is the this is the one with Corey Feldman. People know Corey Feldman, right? This is the full one with Corey the Feldman. The full one. He's young Tommy Jarvis. His first full-length motion picture on the big screen. Interesting. Also of note, Crispin Glover. <laughs> <laughs> this is a weird duck, man. Crispin Glover, I appreciate he is weird and I appreciate that even when he's cast in something He's obviously a bit younger here. Even when he's cast in something like a Friday the 13th as just, you know, whatever, teen, he still brings his full oddness to it. And they capitalize on it. They do. They recognize, hey, it's it's weird. But man, it's a presence. It's a presence on that screen. <laughs> his whole shtick. So I, I'm, how do we want to handle this? I, we should do the overview. After the Crystal Lake massacres, Jason is pronounced dead and taken to the hospital morgue where he is mysteriously revived, allowing his diabolic... I wouldn't... Ex diabolical. Diabolical. Dude, that infers that there's, like, any kind of intelligence to it, right? Intelligence and motive. I mean... His motive is just the killings. Okay, allowing his diabolical... Okay, the movie, DB. Killing spree to continue at the camp where the gruesome slaughters began. But this time, in addition to terrified teenagers, he meets a young boy named Tommy who has a special talent for horror masks and makeup leading up to a horrifying bloody battle has Jason finally met his match. You know, I feel special. I, I've been calling Tommy the little Tom Savini and I just realized his name was Tommy. <laughs> Why? Yeah, you're right. <laughs> I do want to say there's no way kid. There's no way a kid made those masks. Those are oh, like, no. I mean, you'd have to be a makeup prodigy. Where's his, where's his, like, mold equipment and stuff? You know, like, I don't know. They're, they're really excellent masks. It is a fun nod to just horror movie-ness. <laughs> well, not just Tom, but horror movie-ness. That's a new, that's a, that's a word now. Horror movie-ness. And makeup and effects and creature effects. So, which is interesting because Jason is a monster. He's a movie monster. But I usually don't think of Friday the 13th as a monster movie. So the nod is pretty cool anyway. I do want to go back a second to his diabolical plot. Jason's diabolical plot is a ramped up get off my lawn. <laughs> no, you're right. If you're not at Crystal Lake and if you're not in his way of getting to Crystal Lake, you're good. That is an important mention. Qualifier. Yeah. What did the banana hitchhiker do? What, what did the, what's wrong with... What did she do wrong? Well, we kind of dove into this a little bit, the last special. But the movies do still follow the rule of if you do drugs or have sex, like, 
he's going to get you. But Jason doesn't really follow the rules. He might get you first. But even if you're a good person, he's still going to get you. It doesn't matter. He doesn't really care. I don't know. Banana Hitchhiker kind of looked like a hippie. So, Maybe that's oh. it. She was a she was a dirty hippie, and she was in the she stood between him and his lawn. She didn't. She just sat on the side of the road. He didn't even need. To, <laughs> I, I doubt he even needed to cross that road. And if he did, there's literally miles of empty road both sides, both ways. Ridiculous. Jason has a one track mind. A couple of my early notes on this. First off, and this is a, this isn't unique to this movie or even this trilogy in the movies, but it is very despite the lack of nudity in part six, it is very evident throughout these three. Everyone's a perv. Everyone in this movie is just not even like a, I don't know, a healthy perv, like a, just a disgusting perv. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. There is a healthy perv. Who? Tommy? Tommy. I guess. Like, I love that. He, he's in that age where... Peeping Tommy is perfect. He Okay, so he does peep across the way. It's not like he even has to... He's literally laying in his bed and looks out his window and sees a naked lady and man and across like, the way. yes. I like, love the you. joy in his reaction. He literally is jumping on his bed like, oh my God! Yeah, that's that's kind of fun. It's like, that That is... Uh, that's a healthy response at his age. Until his mom come in and curtain blocked him. Peep blocked him. <laughs> That's a healthy response at her age. Also interesting, there's no counselors in this movie. We do have a group of very horny teens, but none of them are counselors. This is another case of where they're like... We're down the road a little bit. It's on the same lake. It's not at a camp. It's at houses on that lake. Which takes me back to how big is that dang lake? It's huge. Remember, you can you could sail that lake to Manhattan. <laughs> wait, wait, that's 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 for part three of the special. Okay, never mind. <laughs> Some guy appears and he's I, God, he sets up so much promise that of course this movie does not deliver on. Because yeah. I'm like, he's the Jason Hunter. Like, what a fun idea. As cheesy as that sounds, like they almost really should have leaned into it. But he's they kind of do for the next two movies. That's kind of what Tommy becomes. Yeah, no, you're right, you're right, but Tommy... Tommy, the crazy Jason Hunter. And there are three very distinct, very different Tommies in these movies, and none of them are, like, rugged, camping out in the woods waiting for Jason to show up, and that's kind of what this guy seems like, but he is the brother of one of the murdered teens from part two. It's the girl... It's the girl that held, had a full frontal nudity scene, and then they cut it when the studio realized she's underage, <laughs> so... <laughs> Um, her, her real not, Marta something, uh, but I can't remember her, her character name, but I think he's supposed to be her brother, you know, out for revenge. Yeah, he's the brother of Sandra Dyer. Sandra. Yes. Yes. I also want to mention the cor- coroner is ridiculous. I like this movie really starts off the top. Oh with, God. <laughs> if in case you were wondering, Hey, I wonder if this movie is going to be sleazy. Yeah. It, they don't waste time letting you know it's going to be sleazy. This coroner is a ridiculous character. Let's get the plot out of the way completely because there's enough worth mentioning. Basically there's that guy, the, the Jason Hunter who just does a, just a bang up job. That guy useless, <laughs> useless Tommy, his sister and his mom. Technically his sister, I guess is the final girl. If you want to, you know, she gets the final girl treatment. 
even if you know there's other people that survive. And Tommy goes nuts. Goes nuts. They set him up as I mean, this movie and the next movie set him up really hard. Both of them set him up really hard to become the next Jason, basically. Spoilers. It doesn't matter. Listen, it, none of this matters. <laughs> but <laughs> sorry, if you haven't watched these yet, spoilers. Honestly, if you haven't watched it yet, you're probably not listening. And this is the one they always kill Jason, but they actually like they kill Jason. Tommy goes to town with a machete. Let's get into our just miscellaneous notes. First off, uh, all these teens are insufferable. All these characters are the worst. I don't know what it is like because the teens in the next movie are insufferable. The teens in the in the sixth movie are insufferable. But for some reason, like this one, character development was lacking. <laughs> to say the least, they always are. You know what? Like they were written to. You die. know what? Crispin Glover, he had an arc. At first, you thought, <laughs> I'm going to have to do some censorship here. At you first, are. you thought he was just a dead f- because his friend told him that his uh, imaginary computer analyzed him and told him that he was a dead f-. But you know what? He's not a dead f-. But then he is dead. These twins show up and basically Crispin Glover's like weird Crispin Glover shy guy. And then his buddy is super sleazy. I'm teddy bear. I'm going to kiss all these chicks against their will. Literally just grab their head and like try to kiss them. Real creepy. Fortunately, he he he's the one that ends up by himself watching silent film era porno on a projector like they find. flapper porn. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's flapper, by the way. Not, not something else that sounds like that. Yeah. <laughs> Two and three are not great, but I thoroughly enjoyed them. And I actually watched four and five fairly soon after we recorded and released part one of this, of the Friday the 13th special. I was so disappointed. I was like, Oh, Oh yeah. No, these aren't great. Of the three for this special four is my favorite. I think it might be the most tolerable because at least most of it's at the lake. And I like that. Well, Most of it's at the lake. And honestly, if you really wanted to, and it's something I recommend. You stop watching after four. No, you've no. completed the story of Jason. No, no, no. Listen, I'm going to talk a I lot mean, of trash on I, these. Three. I, I do like. I'm, don't get me wrong. I love this. I, I love the series. You never. And stop. if you stop watching, you don't get big hulking Kane Hodder for the next special, which I can't wait to talk about. But that said. It does complete the story of Jason quite. It does wrap it up in a nice little bow. You get birth of Jason at, in one all the way up to Jason's dead in four. You know what? You're kind of right. You get birth of Jason in one. You get his long haired teen years in Jason two. You get finally he found his he's found his true identity. He's become the Jason that we all know in part three and part four is the Logan. <laughs> Of the series. <laughs> and they just rip his heart out. <laughs> oh. And then it's downhill from there. And then Tommy makes a cross out of machetes and walks off into the sunset. That would be an awesome alternate ending, actually. <laughs> no, I'm going to talk a lot of trash on these movies. You don't stop it for. If you got this far, man, you got to keep going. Because each of these movies 
has something worth watching, even if it does. God, they're awful sometimes. And when I say they're off, I said earlier that I don't enjoy these movies. That's not true. I enjoy these movies quite a bit. They're not good. And sometimes they are cringeworthy. But this movie, let's talk about uh, the high points, the kills and the makeup in this movie. The makeup, because as you mentioned, Tom Savini, this has got some pretty cool kills in it. It's got some lame ones, but dude, I mean, it's one of those where they're literally, they'll throw characters, the hitchhiker on the road. Does this have, is this, or is it the next one with the greasers? I think that's the next one. Uh, It's the next one. Okay. I mean, they do throw people in, especially the next one, where they'll just throw random people in. It's like, you see them for the first time, and then they're killed. Now, I get that the whole character of Tom, the whole thing of Tommy being into making these movie masks sets up that he's into, like, makeup and stuff. But, so this movie... There's so few things that this franchise has as staples. I mean, there are a few things, but they've already tried to do the reverse of the the first movie, Little Boy Jason Jump Out of the Water, where they have Dead Mama Jump Out of the Water at the end of part three. So they they have a few things to grab onto, but not a lot. So this one grabs onto where in part two, the girl dresses up as his mom and psychs him out, psychs Jason out a little bit. They do a little reverse on that, and Tommy Jarvis shaves his head all shoddily, puts some funky makeup on, and dresses up as little Jason to distract... Why does this work? It's not like his... Little Jason (laughs) is led by his... Like, you kind of... I think it might have been established already, where you kind of get the, like, it's his mother's voice in his head that makes him want to kill, or something. It's not little Jason... This is such Maybe a... he hallucinates too. Does he hallucinate himself? I, I, I think that's what they were going with. Like he's looking at it like, is this real? Because we, we didn't really get to see where that was going because Trish bashes him in the back of the head. But when Tommy comes down the stairs, he's like, Jason, Jason, remember me, Jason? Jason just kind of cocks his head. He does look kind of confused. Like what? <laughs> what is like, this crap now? <laughs> He's probably thinking, am I really seeing this? You people are crazy. (laughs) He just slowly starts to approach. I mean, yeah, he lets his guard down. It's possible going through his mind. He's like, okay, is this real or have I been dead too long? What, What happens now? Now we get one of the best death scenes of any of these movies. I guess that's fitting that it's Jason's. He gets chopped to bits. I mean, Corey Feldman goes ham on this guy. No, Feldman. Ham was the other one. <laughs> I know. Feldman goes ham. Okay, so, well, we do see him take the machete to the face, and then he falls and slides. And, oh, my God, the sliding. He slides oh. down the machete. The machete's, like, well halfway into his head, and he slides down it. It's grotesque. It's it's cheesy. It's definitely like animatronic mask thing. Like <laughs> his head turned into one of uh, Tommy's masks upstairs. But that was pure gold. But dude, it's it is pretty good. It's pretty awesome because his face moves while it's sliding down the. Yeah, it's pretty good and gross. And then Tommy goes ape, grabs the machete, and just starts chopping off camera. The dude's lost his mind. And then he finally stops. He and the sister hug, and then you get the super cheesy, like, 
scary music when he looks straight into the camera and it like freeze frames. Correct. Oh my God. That look, (laughs) that look was amazing, dude. I kind of hate this ending. Honestly. I, I mean, the Jason kill is cool. But to be honest, this is the cheesiest BS. And dude, these movies never stick the ending. The very ending is always some ridiculous crap. It's usually, at least this is not a dream sequence. I say it's not a dream sequence. It's not somebody jumping out of the lake. But, but, so I guess they're doing something different. So just the look on Feldman's face, though. I mean, the acting's fine. I just kind of hate it. I hate the makeup job they did on him. The look of it. I, I... it, it comes down to like the the premise of this whole end bit. It's just so ridiculous to me. Well, and if they hadn't gone two more movies in, they could have ended it with, okay, he just turned into a little evil, shit, you know, and just left it at that. Crispin Glover dancing. That's the only other thing I have to say about this movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. That was so stiff. It's, it's so stupid, but it is enjoyable. That dude, that Crispin Glover dancing in this movie—that's this movie. It's so stupid, but it's enjoyable and it's kind of amazing. That's this movie. I hate it, but I like it. <laughs> like I said, I mean, as far as the story of Jason goes, it finishes out his story pretty well. I don't like what it sets up. It does have some elements to stand on uh, on its own. In this case, it's special effects. Oh, I, I did have a question. When did Pamela get buried? You know, it's been a while. It's been a while since she was killed in part one. At one point, we passed the grave of Pamela Voorhees. I'm like, hold up. Because there, there's a considerable jump of time between one and two. That's and right. Two, it, three, it and four, two, three, four are like the same week. <laughs> Boy, that town had to... Whew. Okay, so ignoring the weird leap of canon that they have to do to make Jason a full-grown killer man is this when he became the murder zombie because the end of part two is so weird and nebulous that okay he's still alive at the at the beginning of part three that's fine part three the idea was they killed him this one starts where it's like well yeah he's in the morgue but then he comes back so is he murder zombie now or is it conceivable that they just thought he was dead and he's still alive I'm thinking they thought he was dead. Like, they stopped his heart. Okay, well, he's dead now. They're going to need some kind of new beginning to keep this franchise going. But before I actually segue, do you want to do star ratings? I don't know if you have star ratings for any of these. I do. I gave this one uh, three and a half. Wow. Okay. Like I said, of these three, this is my favorite. You know, I thought I was going to talk a lot more trash on this, but, like, there's a lot I enjoyed. That said, two stars. I'm going two stars on this. Oh, I'm afraid to start rating on the next two then. Wait, I definitely heard something this time. Maybe one of us should go check that out. I ain't doing it. You do it. Mm. Oh, it's just a dog. We're good. Hey, everybody. Hey, I bet you're busy, so I'm going to make this quick. My name is Jesse. I'm an elementary art teacher, so usually what that means is that I push my classroom from room to room on an art cart. So yeah, I'm literally turning cartwheels. I'm also a martial arts instructor, so I'm also doing cartwheels in the dojo. I'm a Comic-Con vendor, a husband, a pet owner, an illustrator, a college night class instructor, a brother, a puppet enthusiast, an uncle, a YouTuber, I guess, uh, a son, and a podcaster, just to name a few. For me, the wheels are always turning. 
And in a world where more and more is being asked of us, it's enough to make your head spin. If you've felt overwhelmed and lost, well, so have I. And I don't claim to know the answers, but I'm happy to look things up. So join me at cartwheelspodcast.com for the latest episodes of the Turning Cartwheels Podcast. I'd really appreciate it. All right, well, I'm glad it was just a dog out there and not possibly anything else. So, Friday the 13th, A New Beginning. Come out in 1985, just a year after the previous one. He didn't stay dead long. This is part five, and hold on. Let me do it. I Just because we made a deal of it, according to IMDb, the writing credits are as such. Martin... Kit Rosser and David Cohen get story credits. Martin Kit Rosser and David Cohen and Danny Steinman get screenplay. Is that one of the Cohen brothers or no? Damn. No. Well, I mean, he might be I mean, a might be Cohen related. brother. He, I'm, <laughs> but he's not one of the Cohen brothers. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> then we have to roll into a whole bunch of uncredited credits. Uh, Sean S. Cunningham. Sean S. Cunningham and Victor Miller get the character on credited credits, and John Shepard as a contributing writer on credited. Uh, and people wonder why this is in, tied up in litigation. Yep. Directed by Danny Steinman. Uh, Danny Steinman, what else has he done? He's done not a whole lot of mainstream movies. It's like, I actually do know that name. I just. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually a big, I'm a huge fan. Uh, no, I just he, can't think of any of the titles. I can think of some scenes. So before this, in terms of mainstream movies, uh, he did The Unseen from 1980, which I am not familiar with. It was Unseen. He also directed, this is, uh, directed a big cult classic, Savage Streets. Oh. Huh. In fact, last was it last season of this podcast? We had Mike Wood from Grindbin on. They do a lot of Linda Blair movies. They they dedicate November. It's called Blair Vember to Linda Blair movies every year. Their episode about Savage Streets is great. You should check it out. You should also check out one of their recent episodes, the first episode of this uh, December, because you'll hear you'll hear a familiar voice on there. I was going to ask if that was a shameless uh, self plug. <laughs> It was a shameless self-plug plugging another podcast. I mean, hey, I'm no Mike Wood, but Mike Wood asked me on his podcast for an episode. Yeah, I was on, that was my fourth appearance on The Grind Bin. It was a, it was a lot of fun, so you should definitely go check that out. We talk about Black Mama, White Mama. Uh, enough of the unsolicited pitches. Uh, you know what else this guy's directed? Hardcore porno. <laughs> and it shows in this movie. It does. There is some, I mean... Gratuitous nudity is not uh, unprecedented in this series, but there, there's a few lingering stuff, lingering scenes. I say this this one takes the cake in the series. So, Friday the Thirteenth: A New Beginning. Overview: Homicidal maniac. Wait, no, that doesn't sound right. Diabolical homicidal. <laughs> <laughs> Diabolical homicidal maniac Jason returns from the grave to cause more gruesome mayhem. Young Tommy may have escaped from Crystal Lake, but he's still haunted by the gruesome events that happened there. 
when gory murders start happening at the secluded halfway house for troubled teens where he now lives, it seems like his nightmarish nemesis Jason is back for more sadistic slaughters. More diabolical sadistic slaughters. <laughs> but as things spiral out of control and the body count rises, Tommy begins to wonder if he's become the killer he fears most. You know, honestly, no, he doesn't. I mean, kind of. They play on that a little bit, but I feel like that is actually kind of interesting and they didn't take it far enough. Like, I really wish they'd kind of leaned into that more. Wow, this is pathetic. I just realized the double meaning for the uh, title. Which beginning did you... There, there's two new beginnings. There's the obvious new beginning of like, hey, it's a new slasher in the series. It's a new series in the series. Well, Jason comes back from the dead, quote unquote. And it's a new beginning for Tommy, who's supposed to be reentering into society. I love that. <laughs> a new beginning. <laughs> Fast forward one movie. Jason lives. It's it's the old beginning continuing. <laughs> <laughs> Man, they backtracked almost as quick as the Halloween series did. Yeah, they did. It's so funny when you see a subtitle like that. <laughs> The return of Michael Myers. He's back. We'll put it right in the subtitle. We swear he's back. We're sorry we we around with something else. Sorry we had other creative ideas. Sorry we w didn't want to rehash the same movie for part five of the series. <laughs> sorry, we we're getting a little predictable. It's still the same movie. Yeah, so hey, guess what? Feldman's back F for a moment. For a foreshadowing moment. Dude, right? Right? The beginning of part six is so interesting. I would love to sit down with the part six writers and be like, okay, so did you pull that specifically just to bring it full circle? Or you just thought it was a cool story arc? Because, okay, so we're going to jump all, all, all around for just a hot second here. Part five and part six open. I mean, there's differences, obviously. In part it's six, almost identical, dude. Almost identical. It is the same scene. Part six feels like let's just do what we should have done for part five because it opens the set the same way. It's the same scene. They're digging up old Jason's decaying bones, and uh, then he's gonna start killing. It's two guys in a cemetery. Part six feels like a retcon almost. It doesn't, but at the same time. It doesn't acknowledge anything about part five. Well, because in part five, it's a dream and nobody likes dream endings. <laughs> to this day, nobody likes the dream ending or in the Sopranos case, the fade to black. Well, I, I, I never interpreted part five as being entirely a dream. But then, you know, yeah, you get to six and yeah, there, there he is digging him up and he's finally going to put his past behind him. We're not there yet. In this one, he's trying to put his past behind him. And, and his past is biting him in the well, hard. That's not really anybody's fault. It's not his fault. And it's not even Jason's doing in this one. Spoilers. No. Okay, this movie... It's Vic's fault. Not that, as we've established, not that continuity really matters. Except this is the Tommy Jarvis trilogy, so there is some type of arc here, kind of. But this movie is so inconsequential... Not only could you skip five and not even notice you missed anything, when I did a rewatch of the whole series five, six years ago, I accidentally skipped five, didn't realize it, and when Melanie at some point was talk, uh, talking about uh, you know the one without Jason, I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> Which one? 
what do you mean that? I swear I, we just I, watched no, them I all. I understand. Yeah, it's like what do you mean there was one without Jason? Because six, it doesn't do anything to like erase five, but it also doesn't acknowledge it. You could watch part four, skip five, jump to six. Coming off the end of part four, you wouldn't even notice it. You wouldn't notice that you missed anything because because none of this really matters. Back to the get back to the movie at hand. He's back for a moment. Two dudes get murdered. Our first two kills of the movie, except it was a dream. <laughs> because, you know, they, they didn't end part four on a dream. So, so they had to start, start five. five. <laughs> right? Like, you can't go too long in these movies without a ridiculous dream. Well, and then what Tommy proved is what we talked about a little bit in the first special. The survivors of Jason, I think Jason is more of a mental mind screw than uh, Freddy is because any survivor of Jason goes completely back crap crazy. Now I'm not saying being in a situation where in Tommy's case, his sister really does just disappear off the face of the earth though. Like you never, she's never mentioned again, but you know, his mom was murdered. The teens across the, his peeping teens, they're all murdered. Or if you're one of the final girls from the first uh, several movies, all your friends are murdered. So, like, I get that that's going to mess you up, but all, you're right. All these people, it's like their lives are just destroyed. They can't ever get past it. Maybe that is what would happen, though. I'm not going to say. I'm not going to say. I don't say. know. I've, n- I've never been stalked by a diabolical get-off-my-yard kind of guy. <laughs> diabolical get-off-my-lake murder zombie. It's interesting because, like I said, we get three very different Tommies in these movies. Each movie, Tommy is very, very different. Okay, so jumping... We got the dream sequence, Corey Feldman, and you're like, oh, at this point, you know, he's probably kind of blown up. So basically having him for this cameo little bit at the beginning was probably a pretty good get. But it's short lived. Tommy wakes up. He's he's a grown man, kind of. I guess he's not early 20s. I'd say, yeah, early 20s, maybe 22 tops. Yeah, he's a young man. And he's that certain kind of like damaged He's uh, quiet, kind of withdrawn. He's being transported to a halfway house. Uh, the the guys transporting him are the mandated pervs. One dude's looking at a porno <laughs> magazine. Everyone and, in these movies are, por- are and pervs. And hitting on the assistant director when they get to the funny farm. Unashamedly. Don't worry, he'll randomly show up dead later, like everyone else in this movie. No counselors again. But we do now have a new cast of the damaged teens. Well, most of them. One guy. I do want to say. I do want to say before we get too far into the characters. Um, we we do get character growth from Tommy in this movie because Tommy at the beginning of the movie, from the time he steps out of the van up till probably halfway through the movie, is zero f- given Tommy. Well, okay. When does he start to? I no, you're right. But when does he start to care? Well, not so much care, but as far as he starts to take kind of stock in what's around him and move about a little bit more. And okay. then by the end of the movie, he's he's definitely a lot more alert. Okay, I see what you're saying. And less withdrawn. At the start of, uh, so yeah, he, he's definitely more extroverted than he was at the beginning of the movie. Because yeah, at the start of the movie, he doesn't want to come out of the van. He's sitting in, when he's sitting in the office, 
he, he's got that teenage look when they're telling him everything. Just like, God, would you just shut up? Yeah. No, you're right. You're right. You know, and then later it's, he finally starts to come out of a shell some and, and ends up saving the day. So. Uh, does he? I mean, he does, but okay. I have beef with how Tommy is in this movie because Tommy is a bad until he's not until he needs to be <laughs> because he randomly rages out at this guy and throws him through a table. just beating the crap out of him. Like he is a bad. And then, Oh God, one of the worst characters in the movie, he kicks the crap out of this hillbilly kid and yeah, he went full like, roadhouse on dude, junior drop kicks him. Like it's awesome. And then Jason quote unquote, Jason shows up and he just like, I get, I get it, whatever. It's like traumatizing that he sees a Jason mask, but he does nothing. He gets chopped in the chest. And for the most part, it's the final girl and kid who... Oh, Reggie. Reggie's my guy. Reggie's great. Who do all the work. They essentially defeat him, except, you know, it's, it's a Jason movie, so, like, he's hanging on. Tommy does technically save the day because then he comes in and gives the final chop. But he didn't do crap during the fight. <laughs> well, and I, I think that can be justified, though. Because I'm curious if... Because throughout the movie, he kept thinking he saw Jason standing down on the farm. And when he got to the barn at the end of the movie, he thought he was hallucinating again. I suppose. I suppose. I don't think, I don't think he was hallucinating throughout the movie. Oh, that's... Yeah, that's highly possible. That's interesting. That's actually something I didn't think about. So I, I think if that's the case, they, Jason was tormenting him the whole time. They put slightly more thought into this than if that's the case. They put slightly more thought into it. Yeah, but what? Okay, spoiler, spoilers. This is the one without Jason. It's Roy. It makes sense because I don't think he was planning on getting caught. Because if you remember, all the bodies were piled in Andy's room and not Andy, Tommy's room. Okay, so I guess the whole thing was... I think he was going to pin it on Tommy. Yeah, I guess the whole thing was like torment Tommy so that he becomes more unstable and more believable as the killer when yeah. the frame job comes in. But why does why does Roy care? Why does Roy want to murder everybody? Because <laughs> Roy had a son that nobody knew about. <laughs> this is such a stretch! Mind you, uh, listener, if, if you're not familiar with it, this whole like thing... This, it's an exposition dump at the very end in a scene that technically leads into a dream scene. So was the exposition dump part of the dream scene? <laughs> anyway. I, see, yeah, I, I that's always bugged me. I guess maybe that's where you get the idea of like maybe part five is entirely a dream scene. <laughs> but I mean, that said, in hindsight, you knew Roy had a connection to Joey, which is his son. Because, I mean, you could tell he was a seasoned EMT. You know, he, he didn't have that, like, new guy on the job look when he came to pick up the dead body. What dead body? Let's talk about this dead body for a second. <laughs> Back to the cast. Back to who our new crew of killer fodder. Jason Fodder. In this halfway house, there's a bunch of primarily sexy, way older than teens teens. One frumpy kind of slow kid and one ex-con murderer and looking mother mucker 
<laughs> I don't know. How, like one dude that's way too old and way too angry <laughs> to be a general public. Like, what is that Vic. guy doing? <laughs> I say, why? Why is he even in the halfway house? He, there's no way he doesn't fit in with them. That's for sure. Say, he's not reintegrating into anything. He's reintegrating an axe into the back of that frumpy kid is what he's doing. There is a surprise, dude. That that took me by surprise. The first kill wasn't Jason? Yes. The first kill wasn't Jason, if you don't count the dream kills at the beginning. And yes, this chocolate smearing frumpy dude is annoying. I didn't expect the guy who's chopping wood to then put the axe into the back of this kid. So yeah, this one of the guys that's at, at there randomly murders this guy, and uh, unfortunately, the frumpy kid happens to be Roy's son that he, he told no one about, and nobody seemed nobody. Why? <laughs> why? Why? What's? Are are you ashamed of the frumpy kid? I feel like there's not enough explanation for anything for that to really. Gel. No, but I mean, like I said, in hindsight, when he goes when he sees the body. You could see he he knew the kid because like he had this look on his face like, oh, no. Yeah, his reaction is not subtle. Here's part of what sucks about this movie is the main kids aren't great, but whatever. Most of them are they're either forgettable or kind of generic. There's a couple okay characters, but for the most part, oh, God, everybody else is terrible. Everybody well, else is crazy terrible. Ethel and Junior. They're the worst. They are the worst. They Those characters, and this is saying something, those characters might, for me, be the low point of the entire series. Yes. They're so... they Okay, so these peop, these two, uh, they're the neighbors who don't like this the funny farm with all the crazies. They're like the over-the-top cartoonish hillbillies, and I can't stand it. It's played for no. humor. It's not funny. Feels out of place? They would feel more in place in part six where oh, everyone's a, a caricature at least this one they try to make some of the people feel human <laughs> honestly they felt more at place in texas chainsaw texas chainsaw two yes, yes because junior not the first it, one it, though the first no. one you say junior strikes me a lot more like chop top no exactly they're cartoon versions of a hillbilly yeah and then, you know, even the little, not Roy, but the other paramedic, everybody's standing around like upset. And he's like, I'm gonna have to bleep this. But he's like, he's like, he's a bunch of. It's like, dude, you're a what? You're a paramedic. Like, and you obviously have no sympathy or empathy for yeah. anything. And he's such a minor character. But that's the perfect example of like why a lot of these movies suck. Because I don't. Are these characters funny or do the writers not know, like, I don't understand why these characters fill so many of these sleazy 80s slasher movies, but man, these movies are full of characters like that guy. This was the one thing I really did like about this movie. They did go back to the origins up until the end. Every kill was off screen. Jason was off screen. Oh, I see what you're saying. It, it was his arm. Because we talked about last part in the last special, we talked a lot about how by part three, he's just walking around. Yeah. Practically in daylight, just strolling about. <laughs> yeah, I got you. Yeah, and they they played this one really well, where unless Tommy was hallucinating him, you didn't get full Jason until the end of the movie. You got arm with machete, arm with knife, arm with road flare. Also, yes, we do end up in the barn again, because that is also a staple. But 
Dude, I actually like the barn showdowns, and I know they don't do that every movie. But they're always good. Yeah, I like it. It feels classic. It's like, well, if you're not going to be at the camp, which they're never at the camp in this movie or the last movie, at least, yeah, end it in the barn. You don't got the camp, go with the barn. I get why people are upset by this movie. It did well enough to keep spawning sequels, but they're obviously setting up, we're going to continue this, but it's going to be Tommy Although I kind of thought that's what the last movie set up, but whatever. But it's not. <laughs> it's no. not going to be Tommy. So people really did not like this, huh? No. I didn't either. You don't like it? I mean, obvi- here's the problem, though. Here's this, the core issue. First off, are, is it just going to be like a different Jason every movie? That's going to be cheesy. Or if it is going to be Tommy, right from part, the, the get-go, and when I say get-go, I mean part two, with Jason... Even though two sets him up as just like a hillbilly who's messed up because somebody murdered his mom. A real backwoods hillbilly, not an Ethel and Junior hillbilly. No. It doesn't necessarily establish that he's like supernatural, but dude, by part four, he feels pretty supernatural. If you continue with Tommy, it's just a skinny guy. Like it's just some, you know he's not supernatural. It's Tommy. We've seen him when he was a kid. He liked to make Halloween masks. Like chasing on Weight Watchers. Well, yeah, I mean, he doesn't. Well, I don't know. Then again, Tommy gets beefed up quite a bit for the next movie. Yeah, he does. I, I don't think I'd like the idea of it just being Tommy going forward. That No. Jason's such. What's Tommy's backstory? It's it's pretty weak. He was just a random victim. <laughs> he of killed Jason. a guy. He killed Jason. But like that. Was he the. Murder zombie from the lake? No, he's just a kid that liked to make masks. He could be the Jason Hunter. He could be the Van Helsing of Jason. At least the Halloween series, when they did that, when they deviated, they didn't decide, like, we need to refresh this series. We don't want to just do the same thing every movie over and over again. Uh, so let's just put someone else in Michael Myers' mask. They didn't do that. They did. <laughs> they went crazy. And did a listen to our recent one of our Halloween episodes to hear what they did, but it had to do with like they shot for the moon, Stonehenge, ancient robots, uh, witchcraft. They threw it all in there. People just didn't like it, so whatever. But this is like you can't just throw somebody else in the same mask, and it's not going to have the same effect unless you no, establish somebody who's as potentially scary or interesting as maybe a murder zombie from a lake. <laughs> Honestly, if Roy hadn't died, he could have continued. At least Roy's motivation, even though the situation is so ill-conceived, at least it kind of harkens back to the first movie to where it's somebody avenging the death of their child. Yeah. That makes sense. So not only did this movie make up for the last movie's lack of a dream ending with a dream beginning, we still get the dream ending that makes the end of this just feel nonsense just nonsense yeah what's okay favorite death my favorite one was the tourniquet this is one of the more i feel like one of the more inventive kills of the franchise his head gets put in a tourniquet up against a tree right across the eyes what's your rating of this thing two interesting so you dropped from a 3.5 on the last one to a two yeah this one was this movie was all over the place Surprisingly, when I watched this back in September, I gave this also two stars. 
Huh. So I put this in the final chapter basically on the same tier. Well, like I said, I watched this pretty rapid succession after watching 1, 2, and 3. And I think coming off of 1, 2, and 3, these were both just disappointing. <laughs> so I'd say after the first trilogy, this middle trilogy is just like, ugh. It's almost like some of the deaths get progressively better, but the story... God, not that there's much to the story of the originals. I guess the characters, the character writing, and the tone just keeps getting dragged further and further down into just schlock and sleaze. Well, I mean, we started going for, at this point, quantity over quality. Crank them out as fast as you can. Capitalize on the market. Number one came out in 80. Two was 81. And then 82 for part three. They missed 83 because part four came out in 84 and then this came out in 85. They did just pump them out. And when the first one came out, slashers, like that was kind of the, the big boom when the, the, just the explosion of slashers just a few years later, by the time this movie comes out, man, it's becoming a tired trope at this point already. There it is. I swear. I swear there's somebody out there. I saw it that time. Did it look like a hillbilly? Smelled like one. Hillbillies are afraid of fire, right? We'll just stoke the campfire up more. If not, we can chase them off with a can of beans. <laughs> chase the, just throw a can of beans and they'll scramble after it? Is that hill? No, that you're thinking hobos. Oh, that's right. Hobos like beans. <laughs> hobos. Hi, this is Tony, the host of the Flix X-Raid podcast. Each week, I am joined by guests. Hello. Yo. Why, hello there. Hello. Hey. Hello. Hello. And we have a roundtable discussion where we dig deep and x-ray a bunch of our favorite films and some really terrible ones, too. We really like to go back and take a look at films that may be forgotten, maybe in the past, and still lovable films. If you want, you can follow us on all the major platforms, iTunes, Google, Stitcher. If you want to find out more, you can find us online at www.flixxray.com. And you can also find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram if you want to reach out to us. Good night, Internet. Go on, get out of here, you hillbillies. Go get those beans. Yeah, you, right. you enjoy those beans. We shouldn't have to worry about them for a long time. Hillbillies don't have can openers. Friday the 13th, part six, Jason Lives from 1986. All right. IMDb, here I come. Okay, interesting. IMDb has this uh, listed as simply Jason Lives. But everywhere else I've seen, it's Friday the 13th, Jason Lives. Or the movie DB listed as Friday the 13th, part Part six. six. And, you know, they're getting up there, so... If they're going to start adding the numbers on there again, they're going with Roman numerals. Got to look yeah. classy. <laughs> Everything about this movie, class. I say it just oozes class. Uh, so, yeah. Jason lives. According to IMDb, a little simpler on the writing credits this time. Written by Tom McLaughlin. And then, of course, uncredited for characters, Sean S. Cunningham. And Victor Miller. Well, that was a short list. Yes. This was also directed by Tom McLaughlin. What else has he done? A lot of stuff. He's done some stuff I've heard of. Sometimes they come back. The Stephen King movie. 
not not a great Stephen King movie, but sometimes they come back. Was it a TV movie? I don't think so, actually. Oh, I'd say that would explain why it's a not so great Stephen King movie. Yeah. Well, no, it being directed by Tom McLaughlin—that's <laughs> rough. <laughs> That's mean. But dude, come on. You like you? The only King movies that work are the ones directed by like really well-known directors. Okay, but he consistently worked as a director on movies, a whole bunch of stuff I am not familiar with, from uh, 1982. There's a jump to 1986 with this movie. 1982, he did a movie called One Dark Night, but he worked consistently from then till 2010. So, dude kept busy. Overview, according to the moviedb.org, Determined to finish off the infamous diabolical killer Jason Voorhees once and for all, Tommy Jarvis and a friend exhume Jason's corpse in order to cremate him. Things go awry when Jason is instead resurrected. You know, when you mean to burn a body and instead accidentally resurrect it. Sparking, that's a pun, sparking (laughs) a new chain of brutal murders. I do appreciate. Okay, I appreciate this overview because that's a pun, even though it didn't reference the fact that he's resurrected by lightning, sparking a new chain of ruthlessly brutal murders. Now it's up to Tommy to stop the dark, devious, and demented deaths that he unwittingly brought about. Tommy is back. You know who's not back? Any of the actors that played Tommy previously. <laughs> we get the third Tommy. Also, what's not back in this movie? Nudity. No, I was surprised, but this must be when they, as I say, when we don't have a porn director, maybe that's it. Like they had a lot of pushback after the last one. They're like, Oh, you've met your quota. Tommy's back. This movie starts literally starts like the last movie started, except this is like to pick up what we were saying. Tommy's back living the dream. Him and a buddy broke out from whatever mental institution they're living in currently. This truly does feel like a do-over where they're like, we're going to start it the same as last time, but we're going to do it the way people probably actually want us to do it. But this is also interesting because this is the first time we actually see, other than the fact that Jason somehow keeps coming to life, coming back to life, I should say, this is the first time we actually see like kind of supernatural stuff happening. I say this, this one introduced supernatural. He is a straight up zombie. Frankensteinian roots the earlier movies unless it was a dream he was deformed hillbilly this one he is resurrected from the grave maggots eating his corpse he looks like a zombie he steps out it's straight up zombie so wasn't he cremated if the fifth movie happened maybe but no he wasn't who in their right mind in a rainstorm is going to take a giant piece of wrought iron and stick it in a dead guy's chest. His friend who kind of, who's there, who's, you know, the timid, like, well, we shouldn't be doing this, Tommy, like, overplays it a little bit. But his reaction to when <laughs> Tommy starts losing his crap and stabbing at the corpse is perfect to a T. Because he's just like, he almost undersells it. He's like, uh-oh. So maybe I shouldn't have helped him break out. Now I understand. <laughs> it's just like, oh God, that's what this is. Crap. This is why you were locked up. He seems so sane. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then uh, lightning strikes this metal lightning rod. Uh, Jason's resurrected. And we get our first kill right off the bat. He rips his friend's heart out. It's a good one. He like punches this. He punches through. Yeah. It's a pretty good one. I'll, I'll give him credit on this one. Some of the kills in this one... 
There are a few very memorable ones and a whole lot of kind of like, mm, but this one was pretty good. Yeah, and then we're off. So here's here's the rest of the plot. Uh, Tommy immediately then goes to the sheriff's office. Is like, hey, me and my friend, hey, I'm Crazy Tommy. Me and my friend uh, dug up a corpse and uh, it killed a guy. And the cop is like, I know you. You get in that jail cell. So in the last movie, they tried to build Tommy's character. This movie, they reset the last, everything that happened in the last movie. His character's totally different. And there's, he's just, man, I don't know. He's wacky. He's not though. I mean. He, he, he's sane wacky. He, he's perfectly sane. Except for the fact that. <laughs> you mentioned Jason. Yeah. Maybe, maybe, you know, don't bust into the, okay. First off, it's not his, this sheriff is one, like maybe the worst cop I've ever seen in one of these slasher movies. Yeah, I mean, it honestly, if he would have just taken him remotely seriously, this movie would have been about 20 minutes long. Yeah, even if he didn't believe him, this guy that you know to have been in a mental institution for a long time just come in and said, him and his friend dug up a body and it killed his friend. I would be like, you guys just went to a cemetery and you murdered your friend, didn't you? Like, he should have been, <laughs> like, they didn't even go to the cemetery. Not till way later when it was too late anyway. When in movies did this become a thing? We're going to change the name of a town. And everybody's going to forget what happened a couple years ago. Yeah. Oh, that, I'm glad you mentioned that because, so that's one of my notes. They give Jason the Freddy treatment in this. Because yeah. the whole thing with Freddy, Freddy is this horrible thing that happened, but like, don't tell the kids because that gives them power, and we just want everybody to forget, and then he won't have any power. In this one, it's very much like, don't tell the kids. So we want, we don't, we don't want to. I don't. It's not. It doesn't. We, it doesn't. We want to open the camp back up and make money. Yeah, basically, like, just let it die. Let the let the story of it die. I, I feel that it would take longer than Tommy's lifetime for that to that's, actually take hold. That's the problem, right? Like, because they killed Freddie like decades ago. And it's like the next batch of kids are the ones they're trying to protect. This is, I'm assuming they're ignoring or not attributing the kills of part five to the whole Jason thing. But 20 years tops tops. I know. How old do you think Tommy's supposed to be here? He's still roughly the same age of the camp counselors. Oh, Hey, the one thing that is back camp counselors and kids. Oh, and Jason's back. But and for the first time, if you don't count Tommy, kids. That's that's one of the things this movie definitely does gets right. And I thought played it interestingly. It puts children at a camp, shocker, to where they're in danger, but not. They're an implied danger. Yeah. The so story of this is so silly. It's basically Tommy ends up in that jail cell twice. Of course nobody believes him. The sheriff's stupidly just going to ignore everything he says. The sheriff's daughter is insane and is like instantly like, this guy's cute. As soon as I can, I'm going to break him out. We're going to party. I like bad boys. And somehow becomes the final girl. One of my favorite things about this one is this one's very self-aware. Oh yeah, it is. It knows it's a horror movie. It knows it's a slasher movie. It knows what other slasher movies are. The characters are very (laughs) self-aware. Other than the friend, I think the first Jason kills is this couple in a car. 
before before <laughs> we're even sh- this is actually pretty good actually before we're even shown that it's Jason in the road they stop we don't see what they're looking at and they're like I've seen enough horror movies to know <laughs> when there's a guy in a mask standing in the road you don't go any further yeah to know we just <laughs> let's just go back let's just turn around <laughs> and of course it's Jason in the middle of the road some of the self-aware stuff I like some of the comedy is so brutal <sighs> I'm talking like the characters themselves are brutally unfunny. God, yeah. It's my least favorite kind of 80s comedy, kind of. I mean, we're not doing panty raids and peeping on the girls, but it's that goofy, like, since they're playing paintball, the little doofus guy who, like, practically drops the gun and shoots himself with his own paintball gun, like, it gives him, like, military music. I'm like, just stop it. Don't. Yeah. Just, just effing don't i hate that and that's a reoccurring thing with this movie particular the other movies i couldn't the last couple the characters suck but this was the first one where i'm like please jason please just kill them i'm tired of them being in the movie they're ruining this experience you have the same note in your notes because i'm looking at both of our notes that i do i want to know what that jason card game is exactly how like she's they're explaining that game i'm like tell me more i like the idea of it a lot i just don't understand what the next step would be like where's the game basically the joker card is jason the king queen suits are uh counselors and then you make piles and those are the cabins and you got to find which one the joker's in but that's it like how how do you what do you just then pull cards i don't know i i I want i want to know more is this this has somebody made this an actual game yet I want like, and if not, they should, because I'll sit around and play this. Exactly. The high point for me of this movie. In a way, it's so terrible, but... Very terrible. It might also be, this might be the greatest 80s, hyper 80s slasher sequence ever. I'm going to say, this was the epitome of 80s slasher. The RV. That's what we're talking about, right? If the RV's rocking, don't come knocking. So the, the whole sex thing... It's not good. It's whatever. It's super 80s. The music's super 80s. There's the joke of like, they're having sex to the music. And she's like, you know, just keep going till the end of the song. He's like, how long is it? How much is left? She's like, oh, about 10 minutes. Wah, wah. But where the scene really picks up is their power cords got cut. Well, Jason both unplugs it and then cuts it for a dramatic effect further. See, I wasn't sure if he unplugged it or if he just cut through it. He unplugs it. Or maybe he just rips it out. He rips it out of the socket. But then when they get out, it's been cut like four feet from the, you know, Jason. He's all about that artistic flair. So then they get freaked out and they're like, well, I'm taking off. And there's some comedy with like the dude's driving. And he, I did like his line about, it's like, I've never driven a house before. This is great. And if she would have just sat down. <laughs> right? Oh my God. I'm assuming she has experience with an RV. She gets thrown around the RV because she keeps standing up while he's driving away. Like they're quickly trying to drive away because they're freaked out. But anyway, she gets, was Jason just in there? He just went in there when they were outside, huh? Yeah. She she gets pulled into the bathroom and dude. He really left an impression on this one. (laughs) Nice. This is, this is one of my favorite kills of the series Mm -hmm. because it's, he goes to slam her head against the wall and then you get a shot from outside the side of the, of the thing. Basically, kind of a close-up to the side of the van, uh, the RV, to the metal. And it has this very vacuum seal effect to where it's just like 
her face impression. He molded her face into the RV. It's ridiculous, but it's fun. And then he goes and he stabs the driver, the guy in the ear. The RV, this is where they put some of their money in this movie. The RV yeah. goes wonky, flips on its side, comes skidding to a halt. And then the door like explodes off the side because Jason's punched it. He gets up. There's a fire starting around the RV and he's just standing on the top and we get like Jason hero shot on this trashed RV. And I was like, that is maybe the greatest thing. More of that. That's please. Jason. We get- want more of that in all of these movies. We won't get them, but we want them. <laughs> it's like, that's what we want. Dang it. It was pretty cool, man. I like that scene. Once we get to star rating that scene and some of the meta stuff goes a long way to balancing out some of the super cringe of this movie. Yeah. And then Jason gets home. He gets to Camp Crystal Lake. I did like that too. We talked about the plot and it kind of sounds like there's a lot, but really there's not. There's not no. really much. It's the, This one is just kill happy. It is. It's just kill happy. Characters running around. I like it on paper. I like the idea of it. It's just the execution in some respects is awful. And then when they get to the camp, I'm like, I yes, the camp. Yes, this is really looking up. Back to the roots. There's actually children there. So you're throwing, it's amazing that this is a new element for the series, but the threat of like, there's small children there. What's going to happen? That's refreshing. The cops are actually there. Okay. Awesome. It's not waiting for the cops the whole time. The cops are there. And then our new, our new, the actual final girl starts screaming and I'm like, I am so done with this movie. It's like, just shut She keeps screaming for... She's the reason her dad's dead. Exactly. She almost messed up Tommy's plan because she couldn't help but just keep screaming. She keeps screaming for her dad. And Tommy's like, just go. He's like, go radio for help. Go watch the kids. So she goes to radio for help, opens it up. And I understand she's going to scream. The head of her friend is in the driver's seat because Jason's got to place things where people are going to go. She then never radios for help. She starts screaming for her dad again, who was in the woods, had actually somehow successfully hidden from Jason. Jason was started going towards the screaming, and then the dad's like, oh, no, not... Not my little girl. Hits him with a stick and gets broken in half. This is a pretty great kill, too. Because first off, like, he hits him with a stick. He's kicking him. You're like, well, good job. You're about to die because this guy has a hulking beast, but good job. He's <laughs> like, you're really sticking it to him, man. I mean... He, good, good on you. He Jason literally grabs him and just folds him backwards in half like a towel. It's amazing. But I don't think this movie disappointed me more than when she's in his hands. He's and he's doing the squish. He's about to do the head squish and Tommy starts yelling and Jason like looks at Tommy and then starts going after Tommy and she's fine. Like, I was Ugh. so disappointed. I was like, dude, at this point like just no. Get her out of here. This is terrible. Yeah. There we go. I wonder what's next for old Tommy since he's alive. Tommy and, and this final girl who I'm sure we'll see again and all these kids, they all survived. I can't yeah, wait for I'm the sure moment. we'll see him again. I can't wait to find out what's next for old Tommy Jarvis, the main character of the series now. Oh, he's not coming back. Okay. Oh, they're going int- to they're gonna introduce a psychic telekinetic telepath girl oh that's the new tommy okay favorite kill best kill the best 
murder. There's a lot of fodder in this, like the last couple, where it's just people that are just introduced just to die. I feel like I'd almost rather take random banana hitchhiker kills over paintball kills. I say I kind of like the uh, lasting impression. Yeah, I'm going to have to give that one. I do like the smiley face tree one, even though that's a little over the top. But I'm going to have to give that one the top spot. That one's pretty good. But honorable mention to the backbreaker where he folds the cop in half because one, that cop is awful. But two, that was, it's so, it's ridiculous, but somehow less cartoony than some of the other kills in the movie. So whatever. This movie, this is where they go full supernatural, full cartoon. I mean, the characters have been caricatures for many movies now, but this time they went full cartoon. All right. Well, where would you, how, how would you rate this thing? Two. Two. God, it's so hard because I hated the hillbillies in the last one, and I feel like they probably got more screen time than most of the characters I hate in this one. But, like, the paintball scene, I I really hated those characters. I enjoyed the meta stuff. This was the first one that really felt self-aware, and when you're six movies into a series where it's basically just the same thing over and over and they're trying to do something new and that obviously didn't work. What do you do? At least go self-aware, embrace some of that comedy. Problem is a lot of the other comedy in this didn't work, but I did appreciate the self-awareness. There's iconic stuff that come up. Jason chained up under the water is iconic. And some of the kills are like some of the most, that RV scene is one of the most memorable sequences in the series for me. And some of the kills are great. Backbreaker RV scene. I will acknowledge that the, I think this is worse than the last two maybe or at least worse than five but i'm gonna go 2.5 i i don't know if i can go three i'm gonna go 2.5 because if it weren't for some of the iconic stuff and the meta stuff this would be like a one the final girl like my problem with her is she makes no sense and she is consistently one of the dumbest characters like she just makes the most her character is what is the wrong thing for a character to do in this movie that's what her character is. She's just going to do all the wrong things and not take anything seriously and somehow becomes the final girl, and that irritates me. Tommy's story gets uh, continued twice. One in canon, one outside of canon. What's the outside of canon? Never hike alone. What, okay, what's the in canon? He get, It cont- gets continued from here? Gets brought up in the game. Oh, okay. It is a very long description of what happens. Let's not do it. This episode's going super long. I no, am, I, will, I will send you the link and we can add it to the episode description. Yeah, I will include the link. If people want to check it out. And I'm curious. It's just this episode is no, yeah, so long. I know this is going to get edited way down, listener, but we are. This is like a three hour episode so far right now. Recording session. Ignoring whatever you read about what they do with Tommy in the game. This is the last time he appears in the movies, correct? Yeah. How do you feel about the end of the Tommy Jarvis story? Does it feel fulfilling? Has it come full circle? Did Tommy finally actually kill Jason? I'll answer that. He didn't. He's still alive. He's just underwater. (laughs) I don't think he'd be at peace. I honestly think he was hoping to go out with him. Yeah, I think so too. I think the final girl couldn't even let that happen, right? I say, yeah, I think she never shows up again in anything. That's weird because even if they don't bring the final girl back, there's at least some type of acknowledgement. 
God, that means Tommy's the final girl. Tommy doesn't really count, though. Tommy, because there's, <laughs> you know what? They don't bring the final girl from the last one back either. I honestly think he was planning on going out with Jason. Because as screwed up as he is, he knew there was no coming back. And he just broke out of a mental asylum. He didn't want to go back. That That's what his future had for him. There's no way to really, you don't defeat Jason. The problem is you can't go to authorities and be like, murder zombies, Jason, because they're just going to think you're crazy. But Jason X kind of had it right, because at the beginning of Jason X, where's Jason? It didn't have it right. They just had him chained up. Why Why? Why is he chained up and not in stasis already? But the government had him. Give him to the government. Let them keep him. You don't have to worry about it. Exactly. Go camping. <laughs> How does this trilogy compared to the first trilogy for you it sucks it's pretty it's pretty weak i feel like even even if you're on board with the tommy jarvis concept it consistently disappoints so honestly of the sets i wouldn't mind seeing the tommy jarvis story get redone because i think it's a good concept and it's it's an interesting story arc that needs that that i think should be explored but it was explored poorly. Oh, definitely. I, I think with the right writers and directors at the helm right now, you could get, even if it's a two-part movie, in this age of retcon, you could clean it up. And even if you end, you know, pick up at the end of four, just redo five and six entirely, and you can make a decent story arc with uh, Tommy Jarvis. The problem is it's basically the same issue that Halloween had because when it hits about four deep into a movie, we're four deep. We want to keep doing more. We can't just keep doing Jason murders a bunch of people over and over. We need somebody to, we need something to keep audiences coming back this deep into it. And Halloween tried the same thing. They introduced the one girl and they basically have their own little uh, trilogy based around this random character that they invented out of nowhere in the middle of the franchise. Dude, it never goes well. It doesn't go anywhere. <laughs> it always, no. by, once they do that by the third movie into that trilogy, they start retconning and just doing away with it to where it's like, well, none of, none of this stuff that happened with this character matters <laughs> because that's not what this, that's not what the slasher genre is. It's hard to make that work. I think. All right, Paul, if people liked hearing you talk about scary movies, where might they be able to hear you talk about scary movies some more? Well, if you like scary movies, head over to electronicmediacollective.com and check out Moose's Monster Mash, or you could follow me on Twitter at EMC Monster Mash. New episodes drop about the 25th of every month. Sweet. All right. Well, thanks for joining me once again for this awesome discussion. Man, I I, re, I enjoy revisiting these movies, even if I complain about them. I still enjoy I them. Say, even if they suck, they're still fun to look at. They're fun, and they keep the pace up long enough to where... I'd say they're part of the culture. All right, and I've been Randall Sylvie. You can hear me here on the Grolic Cinematic Universe, as well as our sister show, Grolic's Podcast. You can find those everywhere you find podcasts or go to grawlixpodcast.com. It's G-R-A-W-L-I-X podcast.com. Hey, we're on Twitter, GCU podcast. 
we're also on Patreon, patreon.com slash Podcast. Basically, if we're a place, just throw a slash Podcast, and you'll find Grawlix Podcast and us because we tag along. We're like, we're like, we're like the Reggie. We tag along. We're pretty cool. Occasionally, we scream like a girl, and when the next movie comes around, you won't see us. We'll never be mentioned again. <laughs> Wait, wait, that doesn't sound good for us. <laughs> Somehow I need to become the Tommy. Or the Jason. There's somebody out in those woods. I'm sure of it. Think it's still the hillbillies? Maybe. Can't really tell. Wait. Somebody's coming. Who is that? Is that? Is that? Hey, guys, what's going on? Ah! Maybe one of us should go check that out. I ain't doing it. You do it. Mm. Oh, it's just a dog. We're good. <laughs> Sweet. Improv. Yes, and. <laughs>